Right. So our guest today is Luke Todd. Now, Luke is the Chief Executive Officer of Nextport and True Green Group. Now, you may not have heard these names before, but I think you're going to be hearing a lot about them in the electric vehicle space in years to come. The big news around Nextport and True Green is they've just signed a deal with world-famous electric vehicle manufacturer BYD to launch BYD cars. They're already working well on with BYD and buses, but BYD cars in New Zealand and Australia. So thanks for joining us, Luke. You're welcome. Thank you, Richard. Really appreciate you having me. Now, can you give us a little bit of a, a brief history of, of Nextport and True Green? It's you're not entirely new to the electric vehicle game. Not new at all. So personally, I've been building electric buses now for close to, well, it's near on eight years. In a former former uh, group I used to head up, we built and uh, brought the first electric buses to Australia. Uh, they were the uh, buses at the Sydney Airport operation, the Blue Emu car park uh, that some people may be familiar with. I uh, headed up that company for several, or, or for almost 15 years, and then after getting deeply involved with electric buses and, and the work we'd done with BYD, uh, quickly developed a very strong passion for electric vehicles. And after seeing what the benefits were, both uh, environmental costs and also just general improvements to, to public transport, I decided that uh, I wanted to switch from being an operational business to starting up a, a manufacturing business so we could specialise in uh, building electric buses, which has now led to this opportunity with BYD and electric electric cars as well. So, so you've already put BYD-based buses on the roads in New Zealand and Australia? So there's BYD buses in New Zealand, which is done through a separate company, but the ones in Australia... I was uh, the first person to put those on the road back in 20, 2015. Yeah, so we've been been operating in this space for, for quite some time, registered the first electric taxis in New South Wales and, and Australia as well. So we've, we've had a few firsts and, yes, uh, very keen uh, to move to the next chapter. Fantastic. And BYD, I mean, I'm sure you've got a little bit of background information on there. They, they've been in the electric vehicle space for quite some time now, and they are a global leader, particularly in that, that bus chassis space, aren't they? Correct, yeah. So 2009 was when they first started to move in into large-scale electric bus production. So the good news is with BYD, we're, we're working with a tried and tested product. They've built several hundreds of thousands of electric buses globally. Um, five years straight, I think 2014 through, through to 2019, the largest electric car manufacturer in the world. Uh, they got pipped uh, 2020 by by Tesla. Um, but yeah, so both buses and cars, they've been in, in this space for, for some time. And uh, in reality, though, they're, they're just maturing now to, to be a really high quality next phase, next generation type vehicle. So, so we, with many years under our belt, we're really just at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and they're quite well regarded, I think, even from a financial sense. So I believe Warren Buffett's one of the major investors in BYD. Yeah, so so Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway invested back in 2009. So they, they've been deeply entrenched for some time. They were early adopters, actually. Charlie Munger, who's uh, Warren Buffett's um, leading counterpart, right-hand man, you, you might say, might say. He's a very strong believer in the whole EV space. So, so he actually led, led the charge on, on behalf of, of that uh, investment group and they still re- retain a very large stake, I think somewhere around 10% at the moment. So having somebody like that invest into a, a company like BYD gives us a lot of confidence in the market, a lot, a lot of confidence as well. Product and support is there. 
So, uh, look, we, we get on this later, but I'm, I'm so excited to talk about the potential for these cars coming to, to this end of the world. I mean, I've seen them in person when I've been in, in, in China before, but I think we're talking somewhat of a new generation of vehicles. I mean, how, what's the yeah. what's the time frame you've got in mind for us seeing BYD launch cars in Australasia? Sure. So the time frames, just to give uh, for both Australia and New Zealand uh, a clear picture of, of what we're working towards, the first models that we'll be releasing will be uh, announced at the Shanghai Auto Show, which is next month, the 21st, and that will give us, uh, post that date, we're allowed to actually say the date. So at the moment, there's a little bit of an air of secrecy around it because if we, we have to make, I guess, uh, let's just say that the Chinese market have the first uh, notification of, of timeframes and then we can talk about Australia and New Zealand thereafter. That we'll be taking pre-sales for models of, of cars by June, July this year. And the first deliveries for both Australia and New Zealand will be early 2022. So we're aiming for somewhere around February, March and hoping to bring that forward if possible. Uh, but it's very imminent. So, so pre-sales, middle of the year, deliveries early next year. Can you give us a hint of which sectors of the market you're expecting to have vehicles in first in those early stages? Yeah, so we, we, the cars that you've seen or might have seen through some of the other other media that we've, we've, we've done, they're the current generation of vehicles that are on the market for the BYD products. The vehicles that we'll be bringing on are actually the next generation. So that's actually where it becomes really exciting. So everything you've seen so far is, is really good. And as you said, you've seen the cars itself, fantastic cars, fantastic quality, very good price point. The next generation takes it up to another level. So even better price point, better quality cars, better range, better technology on board. So some things that people haven't seen before and really exciting to, to be able to announce all of these things when I can very shortly. <laughs> Are we talking <laughs> an SUV, a hatchback, a sedan? I mean, surely in, the, in these markets, oh, okay, okay. an SUV is off the rank first. No, it's actually not. So so we an SUV is, sorry, when, when we say SUV, so a large SUV is coming very soon. But the first ones we look, we'll be looking at is a is a mid to compact SUV, and a uh, let's call it a compact sedan. Be the first two. So, reason being, the we want to take EVs into the mainstream, and one of the key objectives that we want to achieve and we will achieve is price parity, which has been the holy grail of electric vehicles for for everybody, um, even our, our great friends at Tesla. And that's, that's always been their, their objective to, to get to a point where they can sell a car that's at the same, same cost as an internal combustion engine. And so for us to do that, we'll be doing that in the uh, compact SUV and a small, small to mid sedan model. And um, all I can say is the price point will, will be very exciting. To achieve parity, the, the lean has been to go to the premium end of the market. And when you say price parity, I mean, are we talking price parity with a, a mainstream market small SUV or with a premium SUV? And I guess that, so, that comes around to how are you going to pitch the BYD brand? Yeah, so we're going to – well, it's a very good question. The, the brand itself, what people – everything's changed. I think this is the key thing that everyone is starting to realise, that you can now have high-quality vehicles for a completely different price point than what you did in, in the past. The technology that makes up an electric vehicle, as you, you would know more than most, is, is totally different to how cars were made before. So it's all about the quality of the batteries and the quality of the power system and then overlaying a very high-quality body and interior and fit-out and so on. With BYD being a battery 
company at, at their heart. So that's where they began their business life many years ago. They have the the highest quality batteries and what they call the blade battery, which is their latest technology. So BYD start with a very good head start and having great battery technology. And then we can build really high quality vehicles on top of that and deliver those vehicles at a very attractive price point. So we'll be positioning the brand as a high quality brand. And I've been fortunate enough to be driving around as a test and evaluation car here in, in uh, Sydney, recently in the Han, which is currently the top selling EV in China. And it's fair to say that the quality is equivalent to high quality European vehicle that you'd be paying $100,000, $150,000 for. So it's, um, it's quite surprising. But does that mean it's going to be price parity to those vehicles? I mean, that's that's the... And I guess, so if I take a look at the at, at the market and look at it, if you take at the bottom end of the market for EVs at the moment, you've got, say, the MGZS EV, which comes in at about twice the price of its it's a petrol equivalent. As you move up the range towards the premium end of the market, the price, of course, becomes, the price gap gets lower because the battery being the most expensive part of the vehicle becomes a smaller part of the actual vehicle price. So we're not going to see something down at that MGZF end of the market, are we? We're going to see something more realistically closer to the Model 3 and, and so on and so forth in the market. We're going to see something, and I've got to choose my words very carefully, we're, we're going to see something at the quality point at a top end, let's say let's say mid to top end, but the price point will most likely be more attractive than the uh, the first brand that you mentioned. Wow, that's a pretty big claim to make. Well, I mean, what's giving you the ability to do that? So for starters, it's our EV direct model. So we we're factory direct. We the as many of your viewers and followers would would know that. The dealership model makes up a huge amount of the cost in delivering your car from, from factory to handing the keys over or handing, in our case, handing handing the, the code on your mobile phone because uh, you don't need keys, uh, but you can have a key if you wish. So there's a, roughly 30% of the cost is taken up in, in that dealership model. So by being factory direct and having complete online sales, we have a huge advantage. So we're taking vehicles direct from the factory and delivering them to the customer without the huge amount of cost and clunkiness of dealership models. So that's one part of why we can why we can be uh, far more cost competitive. And then also the fact that we have a great product and a product that can be produced in, in high volumes, which also brings the cost down. Low volume products, as, as most people know, generally tend to be higher cost, uh, but we'll be focusing on um, as high production as possible. Well, I mean, what kind of volumes are you are you picking? How many, how many vehicles do you expect to be selling in a few years' time? We look to be the biggest EV seller in Australia and New Zealand within 18 months, and that, that's our objective. And, and when you see our product and the price point, you'll see why we have that confidence to deliver that outcome. Now, I one of the one of the other differences you've got between, I think, a lot of the other stuff that's come through is you're planning on, your, your arrangement with BYD is more than just a distributor relationship. You are investing in development and engineering of these vehicles for our markets. Can you explain what's going on there? Yeah, so we work, well, obviously, as I mentioned, we, we've worked with BYD for some time and, and we, as part of this car project, which has been in the work for several years, we've been talking about the best way to make sure that when we bring the BYD vehicles to Australia, 
in New Zealand uh, that we do so with very attractive vehicles that are suitable for, for the local environment. So part of that is our in engineering investment into that into that process. So we'll, we, we're setting up an engineering division here in, in Sydney to begin with, and then we we may expand that elsewhere, and that engineering team will be working directly with the BYD design team based in Shenzhen, who have the most advanced uh, design centre recently opened, uh, which has extremely high-tech equipment in it, and um, we'll have a, a sister engineering plant here in uh, New South Wales. And are there particular areas of the of the vehicle makeup that you're looking at, at, at tweaking, or are we look, talking about right in the hand? You know, the common things are right and handling and, and and climate control and so on and so forth that tend to be adapted for, for these markets. Are those your key focus as well? Yes, yeah, spot on. So ride handling, also ergonomics, so so, so passenger comfort and all of the, the key features that we in Australia and New Zealand would like to see in our vehicles. And that, that's something that we're focusing on as well. So all of your touch points, also all of the interactive systems um, one of the, the great out things with the BYD product is the infotainment that comes with the vehicle. Um, in, in China, they have a very great system called D-Link. We're looking to adapt that here for Australia, and that's effectively a whole series of, of apps and, and effectively having a complete internet, everything you could imagine connected to, to your car. Obviously, there's some very strong safety protocols involved with that, but for the passenger experience, for the non-driver, we're bringing entertainment into the vehicle as well. But you're right in the early one. Um, ride and suspension and handling are, are, are the basic things that we want to be focusing on. With the the closure of Holden last year, I mean, is there a little bit of automotive engineering talent going around Australia that's available? Have you picked any any of the Holden team up? Yeah, there certainly is. So, as you know, in Australia, there's great heritage. And so there's plenty of people floating around. We're actually really excited. We, we're talking to a couple of local people and, and groups, uh, so it's not, it's not just a direct employment engagement that we may be looking at. We may be looking at bringing in some, some well-known brands to partner up with us, but we're also talking to some, some top-quality talent that, that have been, had to go overseas to apply their trade. So there's one particular gentleman who we're looking to head our engineering team who's currently working for a leading major European brand in a very senior position designing their high-performance vehicles, and he's looking at returning to Australia and setting up with us and becoming our head engineer for the car project. So so we're, that's actually quite exciting for, for, for us to be able to be, bring talent back to the country and this region. As you quite often know, a lot of great talent gets, gets the, the um, talent drain overseas, and we're looking to reverse that and bring people back locally. So once again, building another Road, a stepping stone to to local production again. Yeah, and, and local production, this is something that has been floated with the brand. I mean, is it still realistic to build cars in Australia this day, these days? Others have tried. What makes you guys think you can do it in a different way? So the answer is not at the moment. No, we, we need to be realistic that at the moment to build high production, high quality at vehicles at the right price in Australia and New Zealand, it's just not, not price competitive to do that. But what we can do is the R&D and start to look at a roadmap as to how we can actually achieve that in a few years' time. So we'll be focusing on, on a couple of models early on, and we will be working on some projects. We'll be, be building prototypes locally. So we can't get to the finish line without getting to the starting line. 
is uh, something that I believe. So, so, we, so the answer is no, we can't do it now. It's just not viable, but we're starting and we're, we're focusing on R&D because that's what we're, we, where we believe that if we invest in, in high-quality research and development here locally in partnership with BYD, we will be able to design high-quality vehicles and then at some point um, with a, a fair bit of hard work down the, down the road, roadway, um, we will be able to, to build vehicles. But at the moment, it's not viable. This all sounds far beyond whatever we've seen any other new challenger distributor coming into into either of these markets do. This must be expensive. Let's be blunt. How's this being funded? I mean, how are you guys funding as a as a? I know you know you're hard to call you a startup. You have been around for a while building stuff, but but this must be costing hundreds of millions of dollars to tailor vehicles in Australia. How's this being funded? Yeah, so we've been fortunate. We've partnered up with uh, True Green Investment Group, uh, which is an impact investment group so been funded by them and we've got some really key investors in, into that group so people that people may be aware of Nick Politis who amusingly is is, is quite heavily invested into the traditional dealer uh, model I guess really, isn't he? <laughs> he, he is but but he's, he's, a, he's a car guy and uh, he, he's been a great great sort of investor but our main investors are, are um, people that aren't necessarily in the auto industry and uh, we have some some really strong financial backing, which are right. It, it's not cheap to play in the, in this arena, and there's a lead time that you need to need to work through to become profitable. But fortunately, uh, Nextport and um, the True Green Group, as an entity from year one, we've been profitable. So we will be the only company I think that may be able to make that claim and qualify that. But uh, there's plenty of cars that car manufacturers out there that certainly haven't made money but fortunately for us uh, through the strategic way that we've done it and uh, in our bus business so far we've we've, we've made a profit uh, every year which is a pretty good start and um, to uh, to establish a business on now i know every new brand of ev that comes into the market every brand that touches ev in the market certainly here in new zealand has the question asked them very quickly of when's the ute coming is there a ute in byd's future and can you be a car company these days, be successful in Australia and New Zealand without a U? Well, a volume, a volume. <laughs> I don't know the answer. But to, to be honest, I think that the reality is yes. We we have already started developing a platform for a U. If if you want to want to know some facts, so so yes, we're, we've already we've already got that work underway. The reality of it being on the road in the next twelve months is very unlikely. 24 to 36 months is is our objective. So yes, we we want to build a Ute. And we have prototypes ready to go, ready to start uh, working on. Been plenty of work done, but pulling the trigger on that is a very expensive process. So so we're not crazy. We don't want to um, shoot ourselves in the foot and, and invest in a in a product out of out of a passion to just build a Ute. But yeah. Personally, I'd, I'd love to see it, and, and we're, we're heading down that path. But it won't. Uh, what I need, need to say, it's not not a Ute as we traditionally think of it. The as you would have seen some companies out there doing great work, Rivian and, and so on. The larger style pickup, as they as they refer to them in, in the US and other places, is probably where we'll end up. The uh, the sports Ute is is probably not something that um, is going to be a viable product going forward. The uh, Australian public, I mean, it could be argued, haven't exactly taken to EVs particularly well yet. 
why do you think that, I mean, is it all down to price? Is it down to a lack of infrastructure? I mean, what needs to be done other than supplying better value cars to them to get them engaged in that market and, and shifting to EV? I think it's a whole range of, of everything you've said. So cost obviously is one. Uh, you know, to be able to afford a, an $80,000 basic sedan in, in, in regards to Tesla, it's a fantastic car, but in reality, it's a, it's a sedan. That, that's a huge price to pay. And then you've got the top-end luxury Teslas at, at your higher end, which are fantastic, fantastic luxury cars, and then some, some other brands as well at that, that top end. And then when you look at some of the cars that have been in the market on the smaller size, in some Leaf, once again, fan, fantastic cars and, and really, really great, but they're, they're small. They, they don't have a huge range or haven't had a huge range, uh, driving range it is in, in, in the past. So there haven't there hasn't been that that car that sits at that right price point that is the right sort of car that people want to drive, and really that that's that's the uh, the main issue. Infrastructure will come when petrol cars were first built. There wasn't millions of petrol stations around the world. It's it's a supply and demand scenario. So we we know once we do, do, do you intend to invest in any infrastructure? Uh, it's not it's not our game. So so we we will work with a whole range of partners on infrastructure rollouts, but there's too many good companies out there doing great work already. They we see our job as to deliver them demand, and if we, we if we deliver them cars and demand, there's so many companies out there ready to invest in infrastructure, um, with with grand plans. So we don't see that as being a future obstacle at all. It's been an obstacle so far because there's not been enough cars on the road to for these companies to invest the, the money needed to, to roll out their infrastructure. But it's been a good start. New Zealand's done really well. Australia's doing pretty well. But once the, once the cars are there, the fuel requirement will follow. Yeah, I mean, do you, do you, do you look at New Zealand as needing any of a different, a, a different approach at all to Australia? Where I think we are a little more willing, I think, to buy EVs. And we do have that better infrastructure, I think, arguably down to geography as much as anything. Do you think it's going to be a bit of an, easy, an easier sell in New Zealand than Australia? I think so because of geography. That's um, one of the key things. And, and also, in general, New Zealand has adapted to clean energy much much more rapidly, I would say, than, than Australia has. So that's not a criticism of Australia in any, in any means, but New Zealand has adapted more quickly. So rolling out a fleet of electric vehicles that people want to drive, people want to buy in uh, New Zealand, in many ways will, will, will be a, an easier pathway than um, Australia. But, um, yeah, uh, I think that once people see the product and the price, um, the uh, the opportunity in both countries is, is, is very significant. Excellent. Well, look, I think we're all excited to see what the uh, product finally is when we get an announcement from uh, from China soon. And, um we uh, hopefully will talk in the future as we we see more and more stuff land. Uh, look, thanks for joining us, uh, Luke. That's Luke from uh, Nextport and True Green, who's uh, telling us all about BYD. Wonderful. Thank you, Richard. Appreciate having me on. Thanks again for listening to the EVs and Beyond podcast. Do not forget to throw us a five-star rating and share the podcast. It really helps us out. We'll catch you again in two weeks' time. Mm-hmm.